Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. Well, why don't you grab a hand? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Uh, we just thank you for the season. It's such a wonderful season. We thank you for rain. We thank you for clean air. Holy Ghost, thank you for toilets that flush. <laughs> I just can think of a lot of things I'm thankful for right now that I, I wasn't uh, six months ago. But Lord, we bless this day and, and, we're, um, and we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to do part two of learning to think. I started this um, teaching probably a month ago or so. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. And um, some of this will be repeat. And I want to just really look at um, how we can learn to access the mind of Christ regularly. And uh, I'm on this journey probably um, several years ago. I had a nervous breakdown that lasted some time, you know, six months almost. Uh, I lasted actually about a year and a half, but six months I laid on the couch and I just started um, reading uh, books about, uh, about the brain and learning how to recover. And, and out of that, I got a real interest uh, in neuroscience. And I've been, I, I'm no expert at all. I'm just, I'm just a novice. But I, I felt like the Holy Spirit's just beginning to teach me some things. And I'm learning some things. And I have this real hunger for wisdom. Years and years ago, Bill uh, was teaching us in Weaverville about Solomon and how Solomon asked for wisdom and how Proverbs says if you, you know, that wisdom is better than silver or gold. And so I, I really feel like, and maybe I'll just open with this, that it, I feel like the Lord is going to actually pour out His Spirit and it's going to result in this manifestation of wisdom. You know, um, in 1994-ish, uh, the Holy Spirit fell on people and, and still does, by the way, but people began to fall down and and cry and laugh and how many of you were part of that that whole manifestation was so beautiful my whole family got touched everybody but me <laughs> I got touched but not so much with that manifestation and I felt like the Lord was healing the soul of his church it was so beautiful and powerful and uh, and you know we were hear- hearing about people being on the floor and their marriages being healed people being on the floor and they're being healed from post traumatic stress and all these crazy things that they had been years and years seeing psychologists and psychiatrists and, and counselors and they would be on the floor for an hour in a in a in a trans like state and the holy spirit would just heal them of these amazing ter- these terrible diseases in an amazing way and in that way when i when i the reason i use that as an example is because I feel like this is going to be a mass thing. That the Lord is going to begin to pour His Spirit out again. I think He's pouring out His Spirit all the time. But I mean, I think there's going to be a corporate manifestation of wisdom on the, on the entire global church. And I think that, the, I think that, the, that we're going to see um, inventions, innovations, cures for things, um, uh, uh, medications that have never been designed for, that, that God's doing a thing and it's going to come primarily from believers accessing the mind of Christ. So I'm kind of excited about this on another level. Uh, uh, So Romans chapter 12, verse 2, very familiar verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
And I want to say that much of what's being taught about the renewed mind is more behavior modification than transformation. God's not trying to change your behavior. He's actually trying to transform your mind, which ultimately results in changed behavior. And I really believe that you can't change your life, but if you change your mind, he'll change your life. And so I was just thinking about, like, how do I know if my mind's transformed? Like, I have a renewed mind. How do I know that? Like, what's the difference between a believer who has a renewed mind and a believer who doesn't? And I just came up with seven symptoms of a transformed mind. There's probably many, many more. And uh, many of these came from Bill's teaching. Uh, The first one that I thought of is that you live in hope. And any thought in your mind that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. So how many understand that one way I know that I'm actually, that my mind is actually renewed is that I have a deep sense that this is all going to work out. It's, it's not based in fantasy. It's actually based in the reality of another kingdom. Like, this is going to work out. If I'm going through something, I'm not thinking, oh, man, it's, you know, this is going to be as bad as it was the last time. I'm actually thinking, this is going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out, at, maybe at this moment, but I do believe it's going to work out. The, the second one is a, a direct bill quote. The impossible seems reasonable. Part of the way I know that my mind is renewed is that when I see an impossible situation, I actually think... This is probably going to work out. God's going to do a miracle. And I begin to so expect God to do miracles for his kingdom to break into this kingdom that I just begin to anticipate it. And instead of worry, I just think, yeah, that'll probably work out. And again, I may not know exactly how it's going to work out, but I just rely on the fact that he said it was going to work out. I've seen it happen so many times that it becomes just natural and normal to think that impossible situation, it will bow. And I just begin to actually think like that. Number three, um, you live in peace and you don't worry and your speculations are positive. I love this one because 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that, that there are fortresses built in our minds and their thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. And he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful to destroy fortresses, which are thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. A speculation that he's speaking of there is a what if. Like your wife comes home, your wife's an hour late coming home from work, and you think, oh, I wonder if she got in a car accident. That, that, that's a speculation. But what if your speculations are positive? What if she's coming home, if she's an hour late from work, and you think, I bet she stopped and got me a big gift. <laughs> she encountered Santa on the way home. My son is an hour late coming home from school, and instead of thinking, I hope he didn't get abducted, by aliens. <laughs> or maybe when he's a teenager, I hope he did. But anyway, <laughs> I think, I bet he got pulled in the principal's office, and I bet, he got, I bet he got the principal's award this month. I just begin to think, my speculations are, how do I know if my mind's renewed? When I have a situation, there's a what if. The what if turns positive naturally for me. Number four, you like yourself, And rejoice in your weakness, knowing that when and where you're weak, he is strong. You know, um, I've written about this in in a couple of books, but I spent a lot of years not liking myself, but the truth is I didn't know I didn't know. No, I didn't know. This is my third message, and it's supposed to be getting better. I was unconsciously ignorant. You don't know that you don't know. And one of the things that I realized later that I did 
because I didn't like me is I didn't enjoy being with me alone. So I created lots of activity out there so that I didn't have to live in here. And one of the things that I've noticed most, and I would say this is probably my biggest symptom that's changed in me, is that I begin to like me. How many of you know you love your neighbor as you love yourself? How many understand you have to have a big as in God? <laughs> you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love you, <laughs> you know, this, everyone will just remember that, that phrase in the whole sermon like, it's that as sermon you preach. <laughs> Listen to as sermon. You have to love you when you love you naturally. When, are you following? How do I know if my mind is renewed? Well, if my mind is renewed, I actually enjoy me. I'm not talking about in an arrogant way, but I like being with me. And if I don't have to surround myself with a bunch of people to not enjoy my day or to enjoy my day, I can be with me and the Holy Spirit and I'm having a good day. I realize that I'm by myself, but I'm never alone. Number uh, something, five, you're quick to forgive and you freely give others grace and mercy. You're quick to forgive and you freely give others grace and mercy. This is one of the ways that I know my mind's renewed. I don't hold offense. Like, it doesn't mean I never get offended, but it's like I don't hang on to it. I, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't play with this thing. I, I've quoted this quote many times. I, I think it's uh, attributed to Joyce Myers. She said, unforgiveness is like drinking deadly poison and thinking the other person's going to die. Like, this is a black widow spider that I just don't play with. And I also give grace to other people knowing that I also need grace. You know, many places in the scripture, and I'm thinking about James right now, we get to determine how we're judged by how we judge others. Can you imagine being before the great throne judgment and having the Lord show me the way I've judged every other person who's done things in my life against me and God goes okay we'll be using that to judge you I want that to be amazing I want that to be Joe did something against you and you you blessed the person who cursed you you this person hated you and you and you sent them a gift this da 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 in other words I've lived a life where people did bad to me and I did good to them and God goes, that's how we'll be judging you up here. Isn't it amazing that I actually get to choose how I will be judged? And I get to do it by how I treat other people. Number uh, six, you're confident and thankful. This is really interesting. Um, I, was, I was teaching on leadership in second year. This is probably the beginning of the year, so three or four months ago. And then we had a question and answer time. And a young man raised his hand very honestly, and he said, I've struggled with arrogance all my life before I became a Christian. And I was talking about that, you know, John Maxwell said, when a leader lacks confidence, people lack commitment. And he said, how do I make sure that my confidence isn't actually migrating back to the arrogance I've fought with my life? And I, you know how you just get a Holy Spirit answer? Like on, I didn't even think about it. I said, gratitude. He said, what? I said, you can't be thankful and arrogant at the same time. But you can be thankful and confident. How many understand thankfulness attributes something to someone else? You did something for me. I, am, I feel gratitude for it. So I said to him, if you can be thankful and confident, you know it's not arrogance because arrogance makes itself the source. 
It's a good word, really. And number seven is, you believe in others and you give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, this is probably one of the hallmarks of Bill's personal life, that you believe in others and you give other people the benefit of the doubt. I remember being a young man growing up in Bill's home, really, and, uh, and, and growing up in a very critical home uh, for, for lots of reasons. It doesn't excuse me, but for lots of reasons. And I would put my motives on other people. You know, oftentimes when you're judging other people's motives, it's because that's what you would have done and why you would have done it. Most of the time when you're judging other people's motives, you're mirroring back your motives in that situation, and you don't actually know theirs. By the way, I'd, I'd propose that you don't even know what your motives are for most things. Oh, boy, that got quiet in here. <laughs> the people who got up before you, they, they, they had some good comments when I said that. <laughs> I, I'm not saying your motives are bad. I'm saying that you typically, we typically have, we, we, we actually think multidimensionally. Like, I typically don't have just one motive why I do something. And I'm not even sure what that motive is because I don't stop and think, why am I tithing right now? Okay, 40 years ago I tithed because Bill challenged me and I wanted to be a good giver, but I tithe every week. I don't think, okay, why did we do it this week? I just do it. Why did I let that person go first in, when he was trying to get in the lane? Was I doing it because I wanted to be a good Christian? Or did I, you know, I'm just like, I don't think like that. I just let him ahead. Let's just let him go ahead. Sometimes I go, you jerk, but then I just let him go ahead. <laughs> My real thing is, is that I don't judge other people's motives. You don't know their motives. You barely know yours. On a good day, you might know yours, but you definitely don't know theirs. And so this whole idea of giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, it's interesting that we judge our lives by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. So I may do something wrong, but I had a good intention. I go, well, I was trying to do the right thing. But other people, we tend to judge them by their actions. And I'm saying, listen, I know I'm, my mind's renewed when I, when, I, when I give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, I bet they meant to do the right thing. Okay, now, I want to talk to you a little bit about neural pathways. And, um, and, and I, by the way, I'm no expert in neural pathways. I read a little bit, uh, again, from just first of all, trying to get well, and then later on, helping other people get well. And, and I want to just talk a little bit about how your brain actually works, and what does it mean to renew your mind from science's perspective, from neuroscience perspective. First of all, neural pathways, I love this, in a book I read, she was talking about that neural pathways could be imagined, they could be envisioned as a big chunk of cheese. Let's say you have one big chunk of cheese, and you take a hot uh, steel marble and you drop it into the chunk of cheese and it makes its way through the cheese and this kind of like how do you envision a neural pathway and what we know about neural pathways is that neural pathways that again if it's a little bit metaphoric but neural pathways they get wider and wider as you commonly as you think commonly in the same way so in other words when you think the same kind of thoughts over and over you widen the neural pathways in your mind so that, you, so that when you have that same instance again, you tend to take that same thought path towards the outcome. Are you following me? So, for instance, if you think, well, you know what, nobody loves me. If that's kind of your, if that's your six-lane highway, and you say hi to someone, 
and they don't say hi back, you naturally think, they don't like me. They don't like me. Because there's a, there's a small, very treacherous walking trail to, they probably didn't see me. <laughs> and there's a six-lane highway to, I am not liked, nobody likes me. And I check, I'm going to take the neural pathway that gets me to the easiest spot first. Are you with me? Um, I, I love what we learned with, from Donald Miller. Donald Miller was here and he, he taught us some really cool stuff and it really added to this whole thing that I, I was learning. It was really the right word and the right season for me. And he, he made this statement, he said, and something I had never read in a book. He said, our brains think using the least amount of energy. It's kind of another way to say the same thing. He said, your brain wants to use the least amount of energy to have a thought so that whatever, make, whatever creates, he kind of said, your brain is kind of lazy and it goes the place that takes the least amount of energy. He asked us a question which was very interesting. He said, how many of you take the fastest, how many of you take the fastest route from the Civic Auditorium to Bethel Church? And we all raised our hand, we take the fastest route. He said, how many of you take the road? We all raised our hand. He said, that's not the fastest route. No, no, he said shortest route. I'm sorry, shortest route. He said, how many of you take the shortest route to Bethel Church? We all raised our hand. How many of you take the road? We raised our hand. He said, that's not the shortest route. The shortest route is the way the crow flies. The fastest route, the route, the route that's paved is the route you take. Are you with me? I don't take the fastest route in my mind. I, take, I don't take the shortest route in my mind. I take the fastest route, which is the route that has the largest neural pathway. What's happening when I renew my mind is I am creating new neural pathways to a better destination. Are you with me? The other thing is that society and communities also tend towards collective reasoning. Together we learn to think alike. Follow me. Together we learn to think alike. We call this mindset, we call this a mindset which ultimately dictates culture. In other words, I'm, I'm not just creating my own neural pathways, I'm creating them with you. You're creating, you're helping to, to, if you will, bulldoze my road. I'm helping to bulldoze your road. When we hang out together, we tend to think alike because we create neural pathways together. And when we live in a city, we typically create a mindset of the city, which are neural pathways towards the destination. Did you see what I just said? So if you listen to the news for three hours a day and you read this three minutes a day, who's working on your neural pathways? I'm saying they are building, they're not just telling you, they're not just sharing the news with you, they are telling you how to think about an incident. That telling, if you keep hearing that over and over, do you understand that you're thinking, while you're thinking, you're, on, you're listening to the radio, you're watching TV, and you're watching whatever news you watch, doesn't matter to me, you're watching it on TV, they're reporting the news, they're not just reporting the news though, they're reporting how you should think about this news. That is creating a mindset, a neural pathway. Pretty soon, you're not thinking what he said, you're thinking what they said, what they said, because you have a walking trail to what he said, and you have a freeway to what they said. I had uh, some leaders over my house this last week, 
And I was, I, this has really been big on my heart for the last couple of years. And I, I really feel like the Lord's just opening up some new revelation to the church over this whole thing. And, uh, and, and, I, and I asked him a question like, um, how, how many ways can you think of to get to the Civic Auditorium from here? And someone said, we can drive, we can walk, we can ride a bike. And we, we started just thinking like that. And then someone said, we could tunnel from here to the Civic. <laughs> someone else said, we could take a, you take a rope swing from here to there. We could take a, we could, we could, you know, and we just begin to think like out of the box. And what I'm getting at is you don't t- tend to think of out of the box ways to get there if you can get there easier. <laughs> it's part of why our mind doesn't, isn't renewed and why we, why we tend to think the way we've always thought because the way we've always thought kind of works for us. Not really well, but we have to stop. I'm saying, in order to have a renewed mind, we have to stop the way, we have to stop the easy answer and saying, is there another answer? Is there a better answer? I was thinking about Elon Musk in my mind, who's one of the greatest thinkers of our time. He's not a believer at this point. I'm praying for him all the time. And I, I, just, I just really love that guy, even though I've never met him. And he was stuck on a freeway, I think this is two, three, four years ago, in L.A., and, and he's on the freeway, and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. Anybody ever been in bumper-to-bumper traffic? So, especially, anybody ever been in a hurry in bumper-to-bumper traffic? Yes, yeah, frustrating, right? And he's on the freeway in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and he thinks, you know what? We should build a hyperloop system that builds a series of seven tunnels underneath the freeway of L.A., put you, puts your car on a skate and shoots you through a tunnel seven levels deep at 227 miles an hour, where you can go around traffic and be around this traffic in seven minutes. You're like, well, I've had thoughts like that. Yeah, but you didn't build tunnels. He started a company after he got out of the traffic, the boring company, to bore under the freeway. You know what I think when I'm in traffic? What's on the radio? <laughs> he was discouraged for some time, feeling hopeless because he felt like the earth is kind of like, you know, not doing well and humans are not you know they're overpopulating the earth and all this stuff and and so he thought well, we should probably we should colonize some other planets you know I, I thought that but he built a rocket to do it and you know what he built the most powerful rocket in the history of the world and it's reusable you know why it's reusable because it's a private company <laughs> See, the Russians send out the rocket and the government pays for it. It comes down. It's like, oh, it crashed. There goes $500 million. The, you know, NASA sends up a rocket. It comes down. It's like, oh, government contract paid for that. But Elon owns the rocket. He's like, hey, can I get that back? Why don't we use that again? And what I'm getting at is you want neural new neural pathways, oftentimes what we think is a problem, God goes, this is a challenge I put before you, so you will build new highways to better thinking. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. And what's the outcome of various trials? Ask for wisdom and I'll give it to you in trials. What happens in trials? What's supposed to happen? I'm supposed to have new neural pathways. God goes, in a trial, if you ask me, I'll give you wisdom and you'll start thinking differently and you'll build these highways to a new way of thinking. In Joshua chapter 1, uh, Moses has just died, the best, the greatest leader of the time, and he died failing to get the people into the promised land. So you can imagine it's not a happy day, 
and God is about to commission Joshua to take the people into the promised land, who the greatest leader he's ever known failed at doing it. And God gives him this thing. He tells him in chapter, in verses 1, 2, and 3, he tells him about exactly where the territory is and, and that he's going to lead the people in. In verse 5, he says, And no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. If I've been, as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it, from the right or to the left, so that you may make your way successful. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Everybody say meditate. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written. For then, listen to this, for then you will make your way prosperous, and you will be successful. Then you will make your way prosperous, and you will be successful. He didn't say, I'll make you successful. He said, you'll make you successful. How did it, what, what, was, the, what was the key? It, the key ingredient was, you will meditate on this word day and night. The word meditate's really interesting. It's the word H-A-G-A-H in Hebrew. But it means to mourn, to growl, to utter, to sing, to declare, to devise. You get the idea. To ponder. Listen to this. Isaiah 31, 4. For thus says the Lord to me, as the lion or the young lion growls over his prey, and God's going to declare that he's going to growl over his people. The word growls as the young lion growls over its prey, that word growls is the word meditate. God isn't saying, listen, Josh, I want you to meditate. I want you to go over in the corner and you're like, hum, hey, hum. Empty your mind, empty your mind. Hmm, you're going to win. You're about to win. Hmm. No, no. He's talking about meditating in God. Meditating in God isn't emptying my mind. It's filling my mind like a lion growls over its prey I begin to build, if you would, this is a little bit metaphor. I, like a lion goes after prey, I begin to go after new neural pathways. I say, I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to create a six-lane freeway to how God thinks. I'm going to proactively, as a warrior, as a lion, I'm going to proactively build new neural pathways. I'm going to renew my mind by believing what God said about me. That's a good word. I want to talk a little bit about, in this whole thing of thinking, I want to talk about spiritual intelligence. You know what IQ is. IQ is the brain's ability to process information. There's EQ that so many are writing about right now, and I, I love the subject, and I've read three books on uh, emotional intelligence. It's the soul's ability to process information, and we're learning so much about that. But I really believe the Lord wants to open up the subject of spiritual intelligence. Paul said in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 22, in reference to your former life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit, that you may be renewed, listen to this, in the spirit of your mind. Everybody say, in the spirit, in the spirit of your mind. You know, we used to have this definition of the soul. Someone would say, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? And we'd say, the soul is the mind, will, and emotions. I think it's great to have a definition like that. I just don't think it's accurate. I don't think your mind actually thinks just from your soul. Now, 
You know you can take an illegal drug and it changes the way you think, right? You know what I'm saying? You take LSD, you take meth, it changes the way you think, right? So we know that your, your, your mind actually thinks from the body because that's something physical. I put into my bloodstream, it changes the way I think. Are you following me where I'm going? We know that lots of people come back from a trauma like, for instance, a, a, a rape or a war, and they have post-traumatic stress. We know that the soul actually also determines the way I think. But I'd propose that you actually think tridimensionally and your spirit also has an influence over the way you think. Are you following me? When Paul talks about renewing the mind, he actually specifically is talking about you renewing the third dimension of your mind. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Are you following me? So I want to talk a little bit about spiritual intelligence. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but he says, you actually have the mind of Christ, and Bill's done uh, extensive teaching on the mind of Christ and written a couple of books about it, that you, when you receive Jesus Christ, you actually received, are you with me? The mind of Christ. Like, you actually have access to think like God. Are you, are you following me? And, and the other day, I just started thinking about this whole idea of spiritual intelligence. I wrote this down. I think it's easiest to read it. Your, your smartphone doesn't have all the information of the Internet stored on its hard drive, but it does have full access to all the information on the hard drive. There is, however, some information loaded on your smartphone's hard drive, yet it's comparatively limited. Have you ever been on a plane and you, you thought you downloaded that movie, <laughs> you got on the plane and you realized it's not on your hard drive? Like, it's, you, you've been accessing it, but it's not on the hard drive. So what I'm getting at, did you, hear, did you understand my, my analogy? So there are things on my hard drive, but most of the stuff that, that I access day in and day out is actually on the internet, and this is just giving me a vehicle to connect to the internet, which has, you know, indescribably more information than what's on my hard drive. Are you with me? So the, the smartphone is a great illustration of what IQ and EQ and SQ, spiritual intelligence, how they work. Like the smartphone, IQ and EQ are limited to the hard drive of your brain. You can increase what is stored in your memory, your hard drive, through education, experience, etc., but still, it's still limited to you, your time, your space, your effort, and so forth. Are you following me? But spiritual intelligence transcends IQ and EQ in the same way that the Internet has a billion times more information than the hard drive on your phone. Spiritual intelligence is connecting to the Holy Spirit in the same way your smartphone accesses the Internet. Spiritual intelligence, is not, spiritual intelligence is not just accessing what's happened in your own brain or your own spirit, but instead tapping into God's spirit who is eternal, infinite, and has all knowledge, wisdom, and knows the future. Furthermore, the spirit has unfathomable experience with mankind who, and knows the heart of every person on the planet. The Holy Spirit is the genius of geniuses, the scientist of scientists, the doctor of doctors, the engineer of engineers. You get the idea. He's beyond brilliant. What's exciting is that born-again believers have the mind of Christ and therefore have full access to the internet of divinity, which is ultimately spiritual intelligence. Did you just hear what I said? I said, it's good to go to school, it's good to learn, it's good, all of that's good, but I'm training my IQ and EQ. But what if I actually learned 
to proactively connect to the internet of the Holy Spirit, uh, the internet, which is the Holy Spirit. What if I start thinking, what is he thinking? If I have a problem with, oh, let me, let me just read the scripture first. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, why don't you turn there, and I'm going to uh, read some of it. Look at verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. How many of you are looking at your Bible? Or Jan? Okay, see where the word gifts is there? Is it italicized? It should be italicized because it's not in the original Greek. In other words, the Greek reads like this. Now, concerning the spiritual brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. I'd like to suggest that Paul is not actually... His intent isn't to teach about the gifts of the Spirit. His intent is to teach about the Spirit world, how the Spirit world works. Now, let's go down to verse, um, uh, verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Everybody say same. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. Everybody say same. same. There are a variety of effects, but the same God. Um, sorry, I'm sorry, I lost my place. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same Lord. Say same. same. Sorry, just changed pages. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. Say same. There are a variety of effects, but the same God. Everybody say same God. Who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Everybody say same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. Help me. To another gifts of healing with the same Spirit. To another effecting of miracles. To another prophecy. To another distinguish the Spirit. To another various kinds of tongues. To another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit. Say same Spirit. Works all things to all, all people, distributing to each one individually as, as he wills. Did you notice a common theme? What is it? Same. The word same. What Paul is teaching the Corinthians, these Corinthians, like when we grow up in the, in the Western world, we take for granted that God can be in you and me and him and her and him and him and him and her all at the same time and also be in other countries and other places and he could be... He could be doing a miracle through me while he's weeping with you. He can laugh with her, and he can rejoice with this person, and he can have a conversation with me while he's simultaneously having a, a different, completely different conversation with Bill. And we take for granted that God is in everyone all the time, at the same time, doing different things at the same time, and we realize that God doesn't live in time and space. But the Greeks, they were polytheists. They believed in multiple gods. So, there's, so Paul's saying, this guy over here is having, the, he's having uh, an experience with the gift of wisdom. The Greek mind goes, well, God can only be in one place at one time. So if he's having a gift of wisdom, that's one God. And this person who has had the gift of prophecy, that's another God. And this person that's having the gift of miracles, that's another God. And Paul is saying to them, that's not how God actually works. God is teaching them about the spirit world, that God doesn't live in the laws of physics. And God is literally in everybody at the same time. Are you following me? The point I'm making, and the point that Paul's making, is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And again, like my silly internet uh, illustration, is that God can work in you doing one separate thing. Like when people say, is, is God grieving? Or is he happy? Yes, He's all of that at the same time. Because like the internet or like, like a way a computer multitasks, God is not human. 
God can be weeping with you and rejoicing with the person who just got saved. Simultaneously, he's doing the same thing at the same time because God is all-knowing and he's everywhere at the same time and he's also personal to you while he's personal to me simultaneously, even though we're in two different countries. Are you with me? And what I'm getting at is that in Ephesians 4, Paul says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. You don't create unity of the Spirit. You preserve it. What's that mean? See, it's, it's, it's incongruent to not be in unity because the Spirit that's in you is the same exact Spirit that's in me. Are you following me? So the point that, I, that, I, that I'm trying to make is that we have access to the Holy Spirit's wisdom and I can know, is it better that I call Danny Silk to say, hey, what should I do about the situation with Joel? Or should I talk to the Holy Spirit who happens to be in Joel, is experiencing Joel right now, experiencing me right now? I'm not saying I shouldn't get outside input. I'm only trying to press into, is it possible that the Holy Spirit may be, with spiritual intelligence, may know better how to heal our relationship? In that he's currently in Joel, having conversations in the inner man with Joel. He's currently in me. Is he, gonna, is he no more than Danny Silk about how to heal this relationship? He does, but I have to press into it. And the challenge is, and by the way, maybe silly example, because I call Danny all the time, and I think it's really good to get wisdom, that's it, the Holy Spirit wisdom from Danny, that I can get from him. My point is, is that sometimes we, we take the path of least resistance as in the renewing of the mind, and we don't get SQ because we automatically go towards IQ and EQ. And therefore, we don't have six-lane freeways to spiritual intelligence because there are other ways to get there. And they're not, they're not shorter ways, but they're sometimes easier ways. Am I making any sense at all? Okay, one last thing I want to say just to make this even crazier. You can airdrop your spiritual gifts to one another. Because you're all connected in the Holy Spirit. So Paul said to the Romans, who he wrote 16 amazing chapters to, in chapter 1, he said, I long to come to you, that I might impart a spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. What did he just say to them? He said, I'm going to write these 16 chapters to you, but they're not going to have the impact on you as it would. It, the, these chapters are not going to fulfill in you what my presence there imparting the spiritual gift would do for you. And he's saying, you're not established because I have not imparted a spiritual gift to you. In other words, what the Holy Spirit gives me over time, what I get through trials, what I get through this, this building my own, if you will, neural pathways by renewing my mind, I, what I get through my experience in the Holy Spirit, I can airdrop to you for free. It's called impartation. Paul said in, uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterances with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. In other words, he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, the presbytery were there, and they laid hands on you, and they gave you gifts. You need to do something with them. My point is, is that spiritual intelligence can also be released from one person to another. I can give you what the Holy Spirit's given me in the renewing of my mind, I can, give it, I can airdrop that to you for free. It's called, it's called inheritance or impartation. Does that make sense? So sometimes you're learning things through articulation, 
which is, again, probably an overused word today, but creating new neural pathways, renewing your mind. And sometimes the Lord just gives you a gift through another person. And all of a sudden, the world opens up to you, and you just, you didn't take time to build a new highway. It was just gifted to you by the government of God. I was thinking uh, many years ago, we owned auto parts store. I'm sorry, we owned uh, auto repair shops. And I felt that the Lord told us that we were to open an auto parts store. But I didn't have any money. So the Lord said, I want you to open an auto parts store. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I have no money. And the Lord said, I want you to go out and buy uniforms for two people. I said, who are they? He said, buy the uniforms and I'll fill them. <laughs> it was a little odd. So I go to the uniform man who's, you know, we, all of our guys are in uniforms. And I said, I need to rent uniforms for uh, uh, these. And the Lord gave me sizes. So I said, I need this size pants and this size shirt. For, uh, I need four of those. And I need this size pants and this size shirt. And he said, what names do you want on them? I said, I haven't hired the people yet. <laughs> He's like, okay. He'd been our uniform guy for a long time, so he's like, oh, here goes Chris. He's a little crazy. So after I get the uniforms, the Lord says, okay, now hire the people who fit those uniforms. Okay, this is unconventional. Probably won't work in a Fortune 500 company. So I hire two guys who fit the uniform. Then I'm like, all right, I got parts guys. I have no building and no parts. And the Lord said, okay, I want you to go get a building. I'm like, okay, I have no money. He said, I didn't ask you if you had money. He said, go get a building. So I was looking at this little building. It was like $150 a month. It was very small. And I'm like, it's a, it's a, you know, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And I had negotiated a deal with this guy. And the Lord said, that's not a good building. I want you to get a nice building. I said, okay. Well, there's only one nice building in town that was open at the time. And uh, the man, uh, a friend of, kind of a friend of ours, not a believer, really great guy though. So I sit down with my friend. And I say, hey, I, I, I tell him this vision for my auto parts store. I don't tell him anything about God. He's not a Christian. I tell him my vision, this is what it's going to be, and this is how it's going to look. And he's like, that's awesome. I said, so I'd like to rent your building. He said, okay, it'll be this much, and da-da-da. I said, that's awesome. I just have no money, so I, I can't pay you for the first six months. And then I need a really reduced rent, and then after that, I can pay you. <laughs> he looks at me. This is what I never forget. This. He looks at me. He goes, Valentin, you are crazy. <laughs> and by the time I leave that lunch, I have a building. So now I'm like, okay, now I need parts. I have this really bigger problem. But I'm gaining momentum. Like, I got uniforms, and I got guys, and I got a building. I'm like, this is possible. So there's only one warehouse, in, and it's in Reading, that delivers parts uh, to Weirville. So I, I find out who the guy's name is. I call around, and, uh, and so I, I make an appointment with a guy. I've never met him before. And I drive down, and I sit with him, and I, I bring Kathy's dad's watch, my father-in-law's gold watch that he gave me. It's, it's worth about $10,000 maybe at the most. So, so I'm sitting with this guy and I'm telling him my vision and he's like, oh, I got a building. I got, you know, I got three, I got three repair shops and I, you know, I, bought, I already got the parts men and I got the building and I showed him some pictures. He's like, that's awesome. I said, told him what I need. He goes, well, that's probably like $75,000. I said, oh, that's awesome. Can you have them there like next week? And he's like, yeah. And I said, okay, I just don't have any money. I just never forget this. He used the F word on me. And he said, you are crazy. I said, but I got this gold watch. And he goes, a gold watch? What am I going to do with the gold watch? I said, well, it's my father-in-law's gold watch. He gave it to me. He goes, how much is that worth? I said, well, maybe 10 grand. He said, so you're going to give me $10,000 asset for $75,000? I said, but it's my father-in-law's watch. My wife would kill me if I lost this watch. 
So I said, do you think I'm not going to pay you back and I'm not going to get my father-in-law's watch back? I will die. <laughs> he used some Egyptian. <laughs> Called me back three days later and said, all right, I'll deliver the parts next week. I gave him the watch, got it back three years later. And, uh, and that's how I started. Uh, uh, and there was lots of other things I could tell you about too. My point is, is that the Lord didn't, I, I couldn't use IQ and EQ because I didn't have any money. I had to think of another way to get to the city. I'm like, what would happen if you thought that way when you didn't have to? What if you just began to think, do you have another way? Like, before I go get a loan from the bank, I go, does God have another way he might want to do this? Is there another way to do this? Is there, is there another way to access provision? Maybe the Lord wants me to get a, a loan. That's no problem. But maybe I should pause and learn to build another way to think. Because maybe God has a better way for me. Maybe God's allowing me to think like this because of my ignorance but he's calling me to something higher. You may be in a situation today. I, I'm supposed to be done a minute ago. You may be in a situation today and you're like, you've tried everything. And I'm like, no, you haven't tried everything. There are other ways to get to the civic. You're just following the way everyone else does it. And maybe God wants you to create a hyper tunnel to where you're supposed to go. Would you stand and pray for you? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, maybe you're watching by Bethel TV and you don't know the Lord, you know, all of this that we're talking about, you have no access to it without the Holy Spirit living in you. And I just want to invite you today. Maybe you're here, you don't know the Lord, or maybe you, you've walked with the Lord and you, you've walked away. Can you just raise your hand if you've come here and you're like, I want to find my way back to the Lord or I want to find my way. I'd like to be, I'd like the Lord to lead my life. Would you just raise your hand right now? If you're in this room, would you just raise your hand? If you're watching by Bethel TV, you should just stand up from wherever you are right now and just tell the Lord, Lord, I dedicated my life. I dedicate my life to you from this day forward. Is there anyone in here that you'd like to do that? Would you just raise your hand? Anyone at all? Awesome. If anybody changes their mind and you'd like to find the Lord right here, raise your hand, guys. Just You can come over there to that banner, and they would just really love to pray for you. Let me just pray for you right now before I leave stage. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you that you gifted us the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray that we would build highways, that we would build highways to your spirit. That literally it'd be so much easier to think what is God thinking than it would to access any other information in our souls. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that have answers to difficult problems because we've trained ourselves. We've trained ourselves to renew the spirit of our mind. And I bless your people in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.